Hello, welcome back to the uh, another exciting uh, episode of the Jeff Hilliard Show. As you, if you're watching this on the YouTube, you see that I am not in the house of Hilliard. We are in a recording studio with a very talented, brilliant Mr. Lee Miles, which I'm going to get into for a second. But if you're wondering what the hell happened, where have I been? I've been making the uh, greatest music video the world will ever see. Uh, Stacy slash Silicon Sally, my the love doll, did a phenomenal job. She killed it in the music video. Uh, very excited. She's resting. She's safe. Everything's well with her. Uh, we are. I'm in the process of been recording new songs. So for the the percentage of people out there that are into what I do creatively, like why else would you be listening to this? It's happening. More songs and music videos are in the works. I'm hoping that the music video will be ready in March. And uh, I have a treat for you. Uh, this lovely person that's sitting next to me is uh, the music producer that helped me do uh, the lovely song Molitude. Uh, we did another song called The Jumpsuit Man. Uh, we uh, did the Silicon Wave, which is coming out, the music video you're going to hear. And we have a bunch of more songs we've uh, recorded, which are unbelievably amazing. Because this guy's a, a brilliant, creative genius. And so someone like me collaborates with someone like that, and then it gets really nice and lovely for the, the people. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm honored to have uh, uh, one of my dearest, loveliest people in my life, Mr. Lee Miles, music composer, producer, artist. He's also very funny, and he's, he's here. We're in his studio. What, is, what do you call your studio? Do we have a name for it yet? This is a new place for, for Lee. We were tossing up um, different ideas for the name Pound Town. <laughs> came up last night. But I'm also working with a really cool group of people from Dallas, Texas, uh, that are part of a company that is called Trinity House. Uh, not to be confused with Trinity um, in terms of the, the religious. There was yeah. A, is, there, is there like a church called Trinity House? No, but it, I feel like there should be. The House um, of Trinity. No, it's just this really uh, great creative team. Um, and one of their artists, uh, his name is Khan. He's working with me, and they kind of partnered in this place um, to help make those records while at the same time, you know, helping with the build out and stuff. And so Trinity House West is kind of like one of the titles of this, and we would use that for... So they're part of your this studio? They're part of the studio in that um, my deal is that I'll incubate artists with them that we, we mutually find mm. to be like you know promising so we'll sign the artist and like um kind of develop their career and so those you're, things you're will now be trinity a, you're House not West. just a, now you're not just a recording studio now you're a record label yes ladies and gentlemen you can submit your work to <laughs> um well i mean it's new we we started this place um we started building in october or late late october early november nice um it's just, you know, it's my guest house. We moved here, and I decided I wanted to have a space for um, artists such as yourself 
to come and have a more comprehensive experience recording. Uh, not just because, I mean, obviously, you know, the fucking apocalypse still happening. Yeah. So it kind of changed the game in the city. Because um, you lived in Los Angeles, and now we are in, we're like outside of San Diego. Yeah, we're in a town called Rainbow. Oh, that's beautiful. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it's Fallbrook. Mm-hmm. Technic- uh, it still like has, like the mail will say Fallbrook. You can type in Fallbrook. Mm-hmm. But... This city is rainbow, and it's uh, you annexation could be of like a leprechaun. You should dress as a leprechaun, and this is the pot of gold Listen, at the end of the rainbow. You don't have to comment on my shabby chic. <laughs> okay, this is not on purpose. I don't look like this because I want to. I look like this because my we had a new baby girl. My wife, who normally cuts my hair, is busy with the new baby girl. I think you just got to just grow it out. I think you could be like a <clears throat> go- Game I, of Thrones character that's like a king. Yeah, I am a king. Yeah, you should dress like that. I think that's the evolution of Lee Miles. What I would like to see is you like a like a like kind of like a Henry VIII better version, looking wise, like a fun without chopping the heads off. Oh, Henry VIII is my fourteenth um, great uncle. J- uh, for listen to this, President James Buchanan is my great great. Great, 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 great uncle. That's good. Okay. But I'm adopted, so <clears throat> it's not through blood, so none of that matters. But yeah, um, you're like the first uh, client here mm. um, in this location because we literally just finished, and it's still not finished. It's still, you know, you see there's still some things we're working out. But Let me ask you this. So yeah. is Finger Bang Your Day, is that the first song that was recorded here? No, um, because I recorded a couple of my own shits. Well, with an art, w- w- while you're working with an artist, would it be the first one? No. Damn it. No. E.G. Daly came here and recorded. Who's very talented. Before you. But you're the. But that was. Like, I guess you're not the first artist. Sorry, E.G. I don't know. E.G. came and recorded a song, mm-hmm. a cover, and. Um, Nobody else, right? I would be the first original song, maybe. You're created the first here. original song created here, for sure. Because every lovely. other song has been covers. <laughs> and then I've done like, uh, you know, I, I I do a lot of work for, you know, like um, Activision and EA and um, different, you know, and like Under Armour, like making music for commercial. The corporate stuff. overloads. Yeah, I've done that here, but that's you know, that's not an original. Um, artists now if i remember right and i could be wrong because i usually am did you grow up in colorado was that was that right or you lived in colorado at some point no that's wrong but why do i have colorado i'll tell you why okay because one of the first um slightly relevant things that i did out you know was so when i moved to la Mm -hmm. um long story very short i started immediately working with the band puddle of mud then they went to Colorado. Oh, and you were there. To Fort Collins to make That's right. the album. I went with them because okay. I would produce all the demos and like then end up like playing with Bill Stevenson producing. So Bill Stevenson has a studio in Fort Collins, Colorado called The Blasting Room. Mm. Legendary place. And it's just this crazy story. It'll take me an hour to like even get into it. But while I was there recording um, Puddle of Mud, 
there was a young intern there by the name of Johnny Scow who showed me a demo of his band, and they're called Tickle Me Pink. And I was like, you guys are really good. And, of course, I was nobody, but they thought I was somebody because I was I came with Puddle, so they mm. were like, this guy, who is, you know what I mean? And I, of course, like completely embellished myself, you know, and, and walked walked with my head back and, you know, I totally went L.A. on their bitch asses. <laughs> anyway, but I did, I found, I found them to be like really talented, young, good looking kids. And so I, I went to their families and I said, hey, if you guys give me money, not a lot, just enough for me to like really figure out, like I want them to come to L.A. for pre-production. We'll come back to the blasting room. And we'll make an album. If you do that, if you listen to me right now, I think I can get your band a record deal. So they bit and they flew out to L.A. We did two weeks of pre-production in the absolute worst conditions you could ever imagine in this tiny little decrepit band. Like we had five people living there. I was in this other shitty, awful band at the time with working off my iMac with no gear we were just writing, and it's like in the, you know, Hollywood and Vine is, you know, they have yeah. those rehearsal spaces in Hollywood and Vine. Yeah. Anyone who's in a band in LA knows that place. It's like fucking, it's, it's terrifying there. In the back, they had these totally illegal living areas. Underneath us lived a band where that the parts end up becoming a band called Foster the People. And it was like, when it rained, it rained. We have video of the, uh, the rain pouring in all over our gear. Anyway, because the original question is, why is Colorado in my yeah, almost? That's this is the short version. Yes, we did the pre-production. We went back to Fort Collins, Colorado, and we made a record, mm. and we got a record deal with that record through wow. Wind Up Records. Got him over a million dollar record deal, and and you know, which to me it was like we fucking did it. Like I couldn't believe it. You know, like the plan worked. <laughs> it's so weird, and so. What happened is they became extremely popular in Colorado and the surrounding areas. We had a big hit on the radio there. And uh, they're touring with cool bands like, you know, Finch and like whatever. Anyway, that that sparked a lot of people to contact me from Denver All right. and Fort Collins. So I started kind of, I had like a, a couple years where I was like the man rock producer. I was going out and doing all these records with, and then... I really I made a song with a couple guys out here and uh, just made a complete band up out of thin air called Oh My Stars, which is something my dad used to always say. And uh, the program director at KTCL, because he loved all the stuff I've been doing, put it on the radio. It went number one, and it stayed number one for a long time. And then another band I produced at that same time, it, after like three weeks at number one, my unsigned band, that unsigned band became number one. So it was just like... I was kicking the shit killing. out of it you out were there. Do, you were dominating Colorado. <laughs> Listen, we were playing... <clears throat> I mean, I played with Weezer out there at a huge festival. We played uh, uh, Not So Silent Night. I played... You know, there was like 5,000 people. The whole There's a video online for a song I've seen called it. Bloody November. Yeah, yeah, where the whole crowd is screaming and like chanting the song. So fun. So I almost made it. And then, you know, as, as, as the story goes, rock, you know, was, you know, sort of coughing its... Last yeah. death breath, sadly, at the, the time. time. Yeah, yeah, and so it just never kind of crossed the the mountains, and uh, and we broke up as a band. Uh, but 
That's why Colorado's in your that's mind. That's why I had it in there. Because yeah. well, I used to, I lived outside of Boulder, Colorado, and I remember you'd mentioned you'd I guess you'd lived there for a bit. So yeah. I thought maybe that you were. Where are you originally from? We get into the Lee Miles origin story. Where does it originate? Florida. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> okay. Give me. Take me back to where at in Florida. Where at what city? So I was born in Falls Church, Virginia, and adopted at a very young age, one year old. Moved to a town called Hilliard, Florida. That's right. Yes, Hilliard. Now I remember this conversation. Yes. Um, where and then between Hilliard and Fernandina, or which is Amelia Island mm-hmm. and Jacksonville, mm. this little triangle here is where I spent my youth. And what the uh, hell was that like? What's it like being in Hilliard, Florida? It's interesting. I mean, because you had Hilliard is about forty-five minutes uh, from the Greater Los Angeles. Uh, great, Greater. <laughs> need more fucking coffee. Jacksonville, which is a very interesting place. Jacksonville is actually got you know it's culturally elevated um, in terms of the norm at, in Florida. So. We, you know, where I lived, Hilliard is Hilliard. What are you doing on the weekend? Well, you got the accent and everything. You know, really... uh, after church, you can go to Beach Road Chicken out there, in Normandy, and then hell, take the you know truck out, go mud bogging if it's wet enough. You know, that's my nice cold beard. You know, good people though. So then, but, what? The, what was your? Uh, what was your family into? What was your? You're adopted. It's such a weird thing. So. My parents are the greatest uh, example of an unlikely partnership. My mother, uh, a complete Southern belle, um, through and through, raised by, like, you know, parents who really, um, they, they, they managed to create a small empire for their time, you know, through farming and... Uh, you know, land development and things like this. And then my father, whose parents were born in Pennsylvania, uh, and ha- somehow he ended up in Florida, and they went, they were high school sweethearts. But my dad is like this total northerner from Pennsylvania that has a speech impediment, so he sounds like Forrest Gump, and everyone loves it. Like, when you hear my dad on the phone, it's like you think he's the most southern person that there ever could be. It's almost like he's playing a joke on you. <laughs> but you come to find out that his accent is actually uh, directly tied to a speech impediment that he and his father both had. That's amazing. So this is a strange union. Um, and then through the strangest set of circumstance, you know, like we had a carpet store. So my dad's, he's a freak genius. He turned our carpet store, half of it into a house. Which, on one hand, in Hilliard, if you live in a carpet store, they would call it a, oh, that's the guy that lives in the carpet barn. And they would kind of look down on you until some of my friends walked through the front door of my carpet barn and realized that we lived in a five-star, like, you couldn't believe, you know, imagine a carpet store with, you know, tin all around it you, and trucks pulling in with carpet and out. And, like, you don't see, you're like, you're, you live in that thing? Yeah, and then you walk in. It's like you go through a portal because um, my father's an interior designer as well. He's a crazy 
So it was so it was like a live work situation. Yeah, uh, live work, work from Go home. Go figure. Go figure. That's well. That makes um, your life easy. Yeah. Uh, if you that's your deal, you just walk to work. Yeah. Which is two steps into another room. Kind of like what you have here. That's right. So. So that was the childhood in the carpet, the the five star carpet uh, extravaganza. So you always had nice carpet. We always had nice everything, you know, and it was it, it's weird because half of me is a spoiled, like total spoiled kid, but then there's another half that somewhere right around seventeen years old, my family took an amazingly hard hit and ended up losing pretty much everything mm. and uh, through a bad partnership and a couple of other really unfortunate uh, things. So it all of a sudden, you, like imagine going from there's never, I would want money. I'm like, yeah, whatever, what do we need? Get that, you know, to you can't, you can't have an apartment unless you have a job. Mm. Then you have to save your money and cover your, and by the way, you need insurance for that car. Did you know that? Yeah. And by the way, by the way, uh, you have to pay taxes. And by the way, you know, all these things hit me pretty hard coming out of high school. Go, I think it's it's more difficult to go from having means to being um, like destitute. or That's harder for people to deal with because it's such a shock. It's a that's, shock. If you've never had money... And you've gained wealth and stuff. That's wonderful. Your life continues slowly, gets better. But if you go from a a, a place of, uh, I guess you would say, you know, re- resources. I had this. I relate to you. I don't know if you, I had the same thing. My father lost everything. Went from being like things, the future looked good to we're destitute. Figure it out. <laughs> and so I went from a kid thinking that maybe I would never like to have to have a real job to working. I've worked every shit job you could ever imagine, which is I know that so, about you. <laughs> yeah, which has made it so I'm able to do all. The you stuff did the I've fucking done. like Hollywood t- tour. I've guy. done everything. Yeah, I was gonna do that. That's as a the film. worst job. Yeah, but I did it on purpose. That wasn't like that wasn't like oh my god I have to do this job. I did it deliberately because I wanted to make a film about me as like Dante's Inferno, where I was a tour guide taking people through purgatory, where I was gonna do all my stand up into that was, was going to do a stand-up special was in a van as a going through that was my game plan so i got it i i knew a person who had a job as a tour guide and he told me how much money i made and i was like this is fucking hilarious i could do this and then make it into a film and then while i was Total doing genius. that and Jeff i was Hilliard is a genius well <laughs> everything well, he fucking touches so I, I was becoming the character. I grew my hair out. I gained the weight and i lived the life of these fucking weird these characters these it's like being a carny and then, uh, and then I ended up getting cast in a feature film, uh, the Frankenstein film. So then I cut my hair, and I did that. And then I was getting other jobs. So I kind of put that thing on the back burner. Maybe someday I'll figure out how to do it. But uh, so this is fascinating. So how did you know that you had, uh, like, how did you get into doing music and stuff? Were you always inclined? Oh, no, actually, before you tell me this, did you ever get to know your your uh, your real family, your real parents? Well, because that, that's a whole thing of being adopted and like. So, first, well, this is a okay. Can just bombard you unpa- with yeah, ten yeah, questions no, no, at once. No, there's there's a way to answer this all together because, you know, first of all, um, being adopted. If you're adopted by really loving people, it's like weird to 
us that it's weird to people. Yeah. Like whenever I would say I'm adopted, people would be like, oh my God, you and your brother are adopted? What? It's like, well, yeah, I mean like we adopted. But so it was never like, however they revealed it to us, I don't remember ever. I just always knew it was like, yeah, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't fuck and have me. Yeah, but they were your but, parents. But they're my they parents. You, yeah. It's not weird. Yeah. Um, but it, the, the idea of not knowing who your biological parents are, it's got to, uh, does that? I know who they are. And I met that. So that, but so going through that process, do you have like a, how did this all come about? So in, it all comes You're together. Like, Let me tell you. Yeah, you fuck. Shut up. I thought this was about me. It is. <laughs> you guys see what's going on here? I'm trying to understand. I'm not that bright. I was a solid C student. There's 30% of a lot of shit I just don't understand. My grandmother wrote a note to my parents, and I still have it, and it's framed, um, where you know it goes through like Jared, my brother, likes to do, and about about, and when Lee likes to eat, and whatever all the little things. P.S. At the bottom, Lee can't sleep without music. I was a year old, you know. You and your brother are of the same biological parents. We were adopted together. That's another great story because wow. my parents went up to get us, uh, and when they got there, they're like, "We actually have two. Do you want?" two now and they're wow. like and my parents like angels that they were they were like well yeah we're, we're not gonna yeah we'll keep them together they're salt of the earth people salt of the earth so um but the music was insert like the first letter ever written about me to anyone included the fact that i couldn't sleep without music and then it became apparent very early on very early on that i was a you know a ham for attention and I loved to make people laugh and I would sing at weddings and funerals or dance and what you know doing I'd do the talent show steal the show you know whatever um and then you know my parents noticed this and they made sure to you know um do anything that I want they would you know I I, I they had a hundred year old uh like piano that was beautiful but sounded like shit and they I don't know how old I was, like eight or something, and I was, and I would, and I was just down there all the time tinkering on it. What the fuck, you know, like, and they noticed that, so immediately they got me a piano teacher and a Kurzweil Mark V Ensemble Grand. I'll never forget these things. As a child, you know, I've got this thing, and I only had three piano lessons before my piano teacher had to to leave, and what he taught me was everything. I do, I do it for you and Fairlease. <clears throat> and I took that and ran with it. Now, since I didn't have a teacher that I uh, wanted, I, and by the way, I, I fell in love with my teacher, and then he moved, and fucking, I had no, I would not see any other teachers, and I decided to teach myself. Um, so by ear, I trained myself. Like, what do you mean? Well, my favorite record at the time was, <laughs> and and still one of them is, Yanni, live at the Acropolis. It's a Greek theater, and I sat down there at my early nine or ten years of age, and I listened to you know five seconds, and I would pause it and search for the notes and kind of get go back, listen to that five seconds, listen to that five seconds until I could play the entire album on piano wow. at like 11 years old. 
And uh, <clears throat> my parents just, they noticed this. And then through the years, uh, just, it, you know, I turned into a teenage asshole and started listening to, you know, Metallica, which then turned into Nirvana, which turned into Korn, which turned into, you know, the really just the, the heavy music. So started off listening to fucking John Tash and Yanni, <laughs> ended up in you know, fucking, you're not a rocket, you know, like, yeah, the thing. And then, of course, I want to be in a band. And, um, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah. How'd you get, so you had like your first band? So my father, when I was like 14, bought me my first uh, guitar. And it was a lofty, this is another example of like, if you want, you get like, I saw a Fiesta Red mm-hmm. Fender Jagstang in the window of this guitar store in Jacksonville, downtown Jacksonville, Florida. I was, Dad, I want that. He's like, it's eight hundred. You know, it's like that. You could, don't you want to get something a little bit more? Be- no, 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 no. I want that guitar. I was hugely into Nirvana. Like, I and I, I was privy to the fact like that's the Jagstang. That's that's designed by Kurt Cobain. Like, that's the guitar that I have to have. And by the way, if I have that guitar, I'll be the like the guy in my group that has yeah. that fucking guitar. Guy. There was a guy named Lee Erskine who I still talk to on Facebook. Um, no shit. Yes, Lee Erskine. No, anyway, but Lee Lowry, uh, who I don't really talk to, and Lee Erskine. Lee Erskine I was in a shitty band with. He did have a guitar too. He had a guitar as well. I don't remember what guitar. Lee Erskine had some shitty Fender guitar and a little Lee or Lee Lowry. God damn it. And then he, he would loan it to me and we actually got in a fight when I wouldn't give it back to him. I gave it back to him, but his guitar sucked. Mm. You know, his guitar was what a kid in Hilliard would have. It was some fucking, you know, probably it was just, and no wonder I couldn't play guitar with it. Cause it, you it was just so fucking banged up and the strings. I didn't know anything. I got this Fender Jagstang. And then, of course, when I was like 16, 17, 18, 17, I was an asshole, rebelled against my perfect salt-of-the-earth parents, moved out with a bunch of degenerates, and started to drink alcohol and uh, be a, you know, fucking asshole, you know. And uh, I sold it. I pawned it to Mm -hmm. pay rent there Um, with the promise that I would get it back. Yeah, that's how it always works, right? With the promise. And then all the pawn shops are loaded (laughs) with. The equipment that people are going to buy back. Now, now imagine this. Like in dreams. my graduation picture, I'm holding this Fender Jagstang, and it's soon in my and I, I fucking pawned it, pawned it, Jeff. And what happened? Of course, they didn't get my fucking guitar back. And I was like, Dad, you know, desperate at the end of it, like I'm moving back home. Can you go get the guitar? And he's like, Fuck you. <laughs> I'm not getting that guitar back. And I regretted this for years because, you know, entering into the world of music and then going, it's like you never really have a lot of extra money. And so anytime I'd have a little spare change, I'd be like, I'm going to find this guitar. And it would be like $8,000. Or it would be, you know, $1,000, but it would get sold. Or, you know, I'd keep looking online and or you wouldn't find them at all. And so when I moved out here, I, you know, got together a budget for this place. And part of that budget was, you know, a, a studio guitar. Because I have some guitars, but 
Um, so I just said, you know, I'm just going to look. And there, three of them were. Mm. And there are, you know, uh, 1500 bucks. Kim, will you hand me that right there behind you? So I, 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 I ordered it, and I called my dad on FaceTime and tearfully told him, Dad, I got it back. <laughs> I fucking got it back. This is the Fiesta Red Jackson. It's exactly the same guitar. It's not, I mean, it's not the one. I mean, it could be the one. It re, I, I don't have any idea. This could actually be the one that I sold and pawned and it just came back to me. But um, there it is. So the point of that wow. story is no matter how bad you fuck up in life, right, uh, one day if you have the opportunity, you can just fix it. Yeah, you can buy it. You can. You <laughs> <laughs> or just, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, sure. Thank you, Kim. That's amazing. Okay, so... Uh, Sorry how did you get out story. of how did you get out of uh, Hilliard? Oh, it was actually really easy through the, with the help of my family. No, um, so you got you got a, <sighs> did you graduate high school? I graduated high school. Did you go to college? I did not go to college. Fuck, you fuck no. that. So you're going you were going like I'm going to be become a rock star. Absolutely. Gonna, okay. So then then you did you come to Los Angeles with that? Not or? immediately. No, I I uh, was in. Um, we went. We actually moved to Gatlinburg for a while and opened a, a, um, a cyber ca a cyber cafe in Gatlinburg. Where's Gatlinburg? Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay. And uh, what was the fascination with Gatlinburg, Tennessee? Um, it's amazing. First of all, it's it's like this crazy like oasis in the middle of the fucking in the mountain. You know, you're like, it's like what is this? It's it's like Disneyland in the middle of the fucking mountains and um what is there a theme park there or something or? It, there, well there's dollywood which is in oh, right. uh pigeon forge so you have pigeon forge and then you go that th through the mountain to gatlinburg about 15 minutes away and in gatlinburg it's just like what what is this it's like where is that the smoky mountain what is that mount black what area is that is there a mountain forest area is this deliverance land it's fucked. It's it's out. It it we out there. But it's tourists that come in by the millions every year. My dad had an idea to have a cyber cafe. Oh, your dad. Okay, I thought I was thinking like you and friends. Your family moved there. We moved there for a couple of years okay. to open a cyber cafe that had a live venue. Oh, nice. Which uh, nice, but you know, not a great idea when you don't have beer and wine. And uh, mm -hmm. I tried to explain to my my father like you know, because through my this is my early early twenties, twenty one, twenty two. The dad. You know, you gotta have you have booze. I mean, you have booze. He's like, no, it's the Bible Belt, and I'm like, okay, you really need to have booze. <laughs> um, didn't work out, but your your question was, how did you get out of out of Hilliard? Uh, we you know we went back to Hilliard. We took all that gear and put it in a in a club in Hilliard, which was even more ridiculous. Why why the fuck? Or to my old band, um, you know, I, through an ex or um, something, like let me know I should audition. So I did. Long, long story short, I fought for this position. And I got the gig in Orlando. Mm. So that was the first thing that happened. Is like I got now this you gig. become a professional musician. Now I'm in a signed band, RCA Records, working with a huge producer who would become my mentor. Working with, uh, you know, like playing, you know, big shows, you know, and then and then this and, is your college. And then we got dropped. And then, <laughs> with, like, now, what was your role in the band? Were you a singer? singer? Yeah, always a singer. 
it, yeah, you do. It, you are an incredible singer. I'm so fucking good, Jeff. Yes. Like I am so good at singing. I'm so fucking good at singing. You know, I I produce a lot of people. You j- you're joking around, but you are. I'm not joking. <laughs> you're really brilliant. I'm hardly joking. Yeah, he's effortlessly. Fucking no, I, I lo- the only reason I'm good at singing, you know, I, I well, there's two reasons. One, I was kicked out of my are. own band, Clone <laughs> Defect, really by my band yeah, because I wasn't a great singer. No, I, I lo- the only reason I'm good and it was true, I wasn't. Um, I was, was hitchy and you know didn't have you know control and like it kind of was hard to watch live. So it that really fucked me up. Like really fucked me up, and I got I became obsessed with the art of singing. Got a vocal coach, didn't like that. Got another vocal coach, didn't like that. Finally saw David Redding, Jacksonville, Florida, and for some reason he managed to get through to me in some ways that allowed me to listen more and fix my pitch up, and then start producing bands. So that's the second thing that comes when you start producing bands. It's like okay. You know, we get the vocalist in there. It's like you can, you, you're, you're so often, you're watching what's going on and you're hearing and you're trying to communicate to another person like, okay, here's, here's how, here's what you need to do to fix the suck, right? Through that, doing that over and over and over and over and over and over again. So you finally, you start like, like uh, doing examples for them. And finally you start like, and through, through doing that, you have all these different genres so you're like you start mimicking other genres you know one minute you're being a you know you could be a hip-hop artist you know straight up the other minute you'd be a total country star learning how to do it you know you're like yeah you 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 oh, so you would do like you would mimic the so the the singer could learn it you would do a version of it it's so morphed could, into yeah. that so, so would, wow so that combined with also always hearing pitch correction always Tuning every guitar, always everything in tune. You just my brain, it slowly fixed itself. Mm. You know, when we do vocals, I explain to you like what it really is. Is like all these you have. It's the same thing as if you have plugged in um, an Ethernet cable and you're trying to send files to your computer, which you know. It's going to be really, really fast, right? Unless you're sending a massive, you know, multi-terabyte project, and it's going to take some time. It's going to be funky. Same thing with your brain. Like, you know, you have, okay, think of the millions and millions of processes that has to happen to articulate words in time, in pitch, while you're also processing incoming and you're doing it real time mm-hmm. like it's it the art of singing in the studio is truly no computer can fuck it. it's like it's it's it always blows my mind you're doing like you're you're, you're you got to reconnect and broaden your your um bandwidth you got to learn how to paradiddle your brain waves like while you're listening to the track, you also have to listen to yourself. And that's like playing two beats on the drums at one time. But you also have to know the fucking lyrics. But you also have to be aware of your tone. But you also have to be aware of your volume. But you also have to be aware of... It's like... It's no joke. So the only way to really... To be good at something, man. 
and like honestly, some people there's well, let's say a lot of people there's a threshold to it, but some people have a brain that's wired in a way where they can accelerate quicker than others. Like there's certain people who just fucking have that wiring already sorted through whatever you know. I mean, you hear stories about. Am I talking too much? I don't care. Fuck you. That's um, what we're here for, God damn it. You hear stories about people. Like, there's a guy who got in a car accident. I forget where. He got in a car accident. He was in a coma. And then he got out of his coma, and he could play piano. I've, I've heard these stories where there's someone, they had, a, they had almost another music ability from a tragic event. Like, what? how does that happen? It prove it's it's the, the it's proving the wire, point. Yeah, because there's no way that you ev- like there's no person who is just going to be like without downloading it into your fucking spine through matrix. Yeah, to play piano. Piano is probably the hardest, single hardest instrument to learn and master. Why? It's every it's everything all at once through your phalange. It's it's multiple piano, rhythms happening at once through your phalange, and it's like and it's very it's difficult to wake up every, and not just be able to play piano, but understand the instrument and play psychotically good. Mm-hmm. Proves like, that there's a brain, there's a there's a there's a brain. The physicality of your brain has something to do with musicality. Psychotically, like you understand music. You understand what you do. No, you actually understand music. You understand music. You understand what you like about music, and you also understand the effect it can have on people. But your work is on wire, like finding ways to wire your brain into being able to process in and out like quicker because when you sing songs you you can see the tracks slipping like off and it's not because you're not maybe you don't have it in there it's because the literal wiring of your brain is clogged at that point so we got to find ways to figure it out new yeah. synapses and plug in new get, broaden the bandwidth you know i would say you know i believe that that maybe like sending it on an ass on a mushroom trip or ayahuasca or uh, and I know that sounds like ridiculous, but I'll bet that that can open pathways for people in in the brain definitely uh, for perception and for broadening bandwidth neural pathways. Yeah. Well, the one thing I personally love about. Um, doing these songs and making these videos and it started out obviously stages but like i first did like stand up and i I also was involved in second city doing sketches but it was the challenge of putting all of these skills into doing something that is really difficult for i mean for me the challenge of making one of these songs all the pieces to figure i had to learn out what the fuck a hook was you know i had to learn how to you know how to how to write lyrics that fit into the math of it. Then how to learn how to try to sing the damn song. Then learn how to like come up with a concept and then the video, then the art direction and then the editing of the video and the executing of that and the producing of this and the getting people involved in it. All of these things going on is why it's so much fun. 
because then it's such a challenge and to do something that anyone would give a shit about. But the best part about all of this adventure that I've been on doing all this stuff is all of the brilliantly talented, fascinating people that come to the party with such diverse skills. And it is my favorite thing to do is in the recording studio, working with someone like yourself who's this brilliantly talented artist that can do... All play all these different instruments and do all and express himself musically. I have very limited music skill. I can play the guitar a little bit. I can fuck around the piano a little bit. I can almost sing. I can sometimes get pitch. And I can you know I can do all this stuff, which is work for me, which I'm I'm fascinated with, which is why it's so much fun because it's. So, but then to go into and work with these brilliant people, which then able to use me as an instrument to help get a sound and a thing. It's. It is my. It is the best thing in life. If you're out there listening, and you're trying to figure out stuff to do, and you're a creative person, you know there's all these steps involved in doing stuff. But to actually have the ability to to participate in doing this stuff with peop, other people who have dedicated their entire life to learning a craft and a skill and all the and it's it is the 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 one most joyful thing in my life is putting this stuff together and seeing the whole pro an idea go all the way to a finished product and sometimes not knowing how to get there and it's exciting to find other people add things in and put stuff in there and then you end up in this beautiful place that you didn't even and it, uh, to making something so instead of uh being fixated on bullshit in life about being you know to me to take all of my life energy of whatever do to make these like creative things that some people may <laughs> never see or care about well, it. Well, this next one is gonna. <laughs> but it truly is like it is so fascinating. The part of life is the journey to be in the room and work with someone. Like it's fascinating to watch you, and it's so much fun doing and doing this and putting these songs together. And it is like the coolest fucking thing ever. But also to see how somebody has taught themselves how to learn how to play the piano. So worked really hard to figure out how to do sort out the vocal thing to figure out yourself and then it's it's really fucking cool you know and then so how did you get from you know learning you said you had a mentor and he was showing you how to do like you know you because it, it's not just like being a music producer and a songwriter isn't just you go into a room and you go i like this i don't like this there's so much fucking stuff going on. Well, there's to make something yeah. sound amazing. There's different. There's different shades of producer. Although nowadays, it's sort of really do have to have your hand in in, in all of it. I mean, there's not going to be a lot of Rick Rubens around. Um, no, just because it's doesn't. Just a tastemaker guy. That's like. I mean, you like you know. Rick Rubin's very, very special, and his 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 opinion is, you know, remarkably accurate in terms of what people are going to respond to, and that's been proven. But at the same time, you know, if you have bands like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers coming in, you know, it's like you almost how are you going to fuck it up? You know, you got it's Petty. He's not going to let you fuck it up. Anyway, um, but you also think it's I'm funny if Tom Petty was on American Idol and you didn't know who Tom Petty was, and he would would he make it to? Oh, so think, that's a whole conversation. <laughs> a conversation Jeff, I mean, but like his uniqueness. I mean, like what you a have phenomenon. to understand the amalgam of, like, it's same thing with Dylan. Like you know, there's a there's a, a specific soup 
that you have to concoct in order to make it in with any right it doesn't matter like there are people out there that are so fucking talented they'll never make it because they didn't open the right doors or they didn't step on the right stage at the right time yeah. and they and they didn't have you know the 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 coffers filled at the right time they like they they didn't have the momentum to, and we're talking about degrees of which like it could have turnover or not like right then it's yeah. the difference between life and death right so right. a person like tom petty on american idol well okay did he sing good that day and what song did he sing and who in the judge panel saw that that could be something you know although american idol is much more about um a vocal competition yeah just weird karaoke it's not really it's not really a songwriter's competition is it so you know but also a unique singer like a very unique like neil young how is neil young doing doing a cover i don't know those those i I really wish there was like kind of a competition that would go more into songwriting into Um, the artistry all of the whole package there was a hip-hop show we watched i watched with my girlfriend that was kind of the the flow um the the one with the the, the d smoke was it or fuck yeah yeah that guy was that what is it called Uh, i wish we had like our own little jamie that could pull it up the flow uh something the hustle and flow i don't know what it was but that was a hustle and flow i think maybe i don't know what it was that's how there's a thing people out there know that that, you know go to netflix and look up like hustle and flow it's a competition for hip-hop artists but it's like everything i ever wanted the way they're so brutal like the thing about the voice and american idol is just like give me a fucking break all right katy perry sitting there like i love this art it's like no you don't you don't fucking love that artist this fits a fucking demographic that you need to fill that your producers have told you about this is boring but then you have great singers great singers and they rise to the top and it's a really cool thing but don't you wish an american idol like simon was almost there but if american idol would be like a guy be like get the fuck out of here what are you guys doing you know like why is this guy on my show right now but they're not. They have these kid gloves. It's just so annoying. Anyway. Well, he, wasn't he kind of... He was kind of mean on the show, right? Simon was. Yeah. He was like a... a I wish it funny. was more brutally honest. I just like the... I love the humor of him with like the tight shirt and the man tits and like this like character who's like, what has this guy done that he's... <laughs> he's is he yeah. a singer? I don't know anything about Simon Cowell. I just thought the show was... Uh, so back to your question. Um, ridiculous. My mentor into production, you know, because you, your question, I think, was like, how did... Uh, your evolution into... Yeah. I didn't want to be a producer. And uh, this guy, Tony Battaglia, told me, he's like, you're not going to... He was brutal, man. Um, he, I had some brutal times with him. Because I did after the band that <clears throat> where I replaced the Dead Singer broke up i wasn't ready to give up i was sad you know it's like that was my shot so i just want to stay down there mm-hmm. and work for him as like a paid intern when i say paid i mean like paid fed i don't know i stayed in his house i i accepted a lot of abuse but in turn i was introduced to a lot of great ideas so no matter how much i was bummed out at the way he treated me and, and, my, and, and my colleagues at the time the fact is, in studying the way he treated songwriting mm-hmm. and vocals, you have like Shine Down come in, and we, you know, I was there when they recorded a lot of those songs for that first record and the second record I played bass on. I was able to watch Tony 
um, truly find the, the the power in the essence of the song and and, and enhance it. Mm. Like, and it was me watching him as brutalized as I was. I always will tell people that this guy taught me how to pay attention to the right shit and um, how to be brutally honest. So I knew how I wanted to talk to my artists based on watching how he talked to his artists and myself, knowing like I could do without that. I can find a way to communicate the same brutal honesty while making the person understand that I'm on your team and I'm here with like love and support rather than him, which he would just stand up and be like, you know, quit your fucking life. You know, he would say the worst shit to me. I remember one of the first sessions I did with Tony for that band. And I came in and I didn't perform very well. And um, I just will never forget those fucking screams coming over the cans. Like, you know, you made me leave my fucking house for this. You're a fucking fat pile of shit. Oh I don't even God. know why we hired this guy. <laughs> Talking to the bands in the room. Wow. Why the fuck are we destroying our band? You know, just the, and I'm sitting in the other room, just tears. Like I fucking blew it. I blew it. But you know what? Um, I came back in, in two weeks and I killed it. So. Well, I, you probably couldn't do that today. I don't know no, I don't. That. Know. They don't allow that kind of tough love and uh, developing. So. My my uh, transition into being a producer happened coming out of there. I moved to L.A. because I was I felt like I had used up all my like love in Florida, and I wanted away from these people. And I went to L.A. because I wanted to be a rock star or an actor or or a fuck I don't know. I really still didn't even want to be a producer. I still wanted. I had the, you know the dream, and <clears throat> but. Since I had been do, doing some producing and like, you know, I did the red jumpsuit apparatus's first real like um, demo and record with another really great guy in, in Jacksonville named Daryl Finneger. And um, who I think he's still making records, I think. It just kind of just, it, it, you know, I kept getting called in to, and then the whole thing would tickle me pink, which actually. Can I put a stamp of like, okay, uh, you can, you are a you real skill. Yeah, like you, yeah. you, you know, when you say like, if you throw this ball at this time in that direction, this will happen, and it happens. Yeah. You know, but then there was a big tragedy with that band too. So, I don't know, man. It's just, and then there's a whole network of, you know, um, smart moves and horrible failures, <laughs> and. uh Wasted time and and um, uh, seized opportunities, people, love, uh, loss that goes into the soup of where I'm at now. What is it like working with all these different artists as a producer? Like you find yourself in this producer role and working with these different artists and stuff. I mean, what are some of these like, what is that like going from wanting to be the guy, and then now you're in the, the supportive role of making someone fixing their thing to make it work. Do you still do you feel like you're then still validated as the creative aspect of you? 
I do. Because you um, definitely are. You know, I miss the stage. Um, I miss performing. <coughs> um, <coughs> something in my throat. <coughs> we need water Just for you. Just cut that, Kim. drink. What do we need? I miss the stage. <coughs> Sorry. You can cut that. We don't have to cut the thing. No. Oh, no, no. Just, yeah. No, I meant like... There we have editing software. It's amazing. Actually, don't cut it. <laughs> Let people hear. Yes, Kim. Kim, Kim, can we get some water? Kim I, is is the greatest. I really like Kim. Yeah, you did well with Kim. Kim is the 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 new is, the, the new diversity hire intern producer, yeah. uh, social media manager, uh, all hands on deck. She is very very impressive. She's an uh, amazing person. My girlfriend's. Uh, cousin's friend. Uh, I luckily was able to uh, uh, through my girlfriend's friend like this, you know, introduced me to Kim and she had a great sense of humor and she wanted to participate in helping me uh, get my nonsense out there. You know, but she's talented. Kim, how are you? 30? 29? The (laughs) off-grammar interview. You know what I want to say? What I want to say is, it's that drive and um, and like uh, you know interest in you have you have to. We were talking about this last night. You have to invest in yourself, and part of investing yourself is working with people who you admire or enjoy or are inspired by. You know, and I think it's just so great when you see people figure that out you know i don't know whatever you guys did to figure it out well i think the great thing about kim's opportunity to participate in this is she has something to laugh at to make herself feel better about her current life situation i still think you should be like (laughs) on every podcast like make the whole show about kim we turn the camera but it makes sense you know i I used to be i can have her co-host some podcasts i was obsessed with with howard stern for a long time like everyone else but um one of my favorite things about Stern was the story of him and, and, and how and Robin how that relationship developed because Robin was the weather girl mm-hmm. or the traffic girl, one of the two, and um, he kept going off script and like talking to her, and it pissed off the network because he wasn't supposed to do it, but he didn't give a fuck because he liked her. Yeah, and people saw that, and people like to see people like who are having fun. Yeah, you know, that's, like, that's pe- a thing in life. People want to have fun in life, right? So I don't want to stray. I think I was trying to say. So we're going back, working with these different artists, not being, and you were miss being on the stage performing, and then you were having a choking fit, and then we. Yeah, miss performing. Um, <clears throat> there is a part of me that mourns, um, the the limelight, because I mean I'm 40 now, I have three kids, beautiful family, live in this amazing place and you know there's part of me that's like accepted that those days are gone and 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 when i i don't mean i'll never perform again but just not like i did um it's 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 a lot to mourn when you get there because you you know and that could you know i don't know who the fuck knows i don't even know i could be 50 years old out on the road but it's not likely driving from 
shitty situation to shitty situation. Like I was telling you about stand up. Like I know I'm going to do it, but I'm not fucking, you know, I'm sorry to all the hardworking comics out there. You guys are great. You guys are, you know, probably, you know, your, your, your craft is amazing because you, you work so hard, but I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not driving to fucking four, uh, comedy, uh, clubs a night just to like, the show you know, fucking alley. like sit there and wait for somebody to bump me. And then I could go on and fucking tell my same story. I'm, I'm not doing it, but, um, <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> lord have mercy on my soul my fat soul uh so you still have done like you had like your band like super naked you were doing yeah, yeah. like a fun band which i swear super naked is still there it's it's a comedy rock band and you, you still put out like you're still doing like your own songs and stuff for fun yeah get super naked i do that every once in a while I get lemmy I do that every once in a while and people who want to follow that do and then people who don't i've got a podcast Hardly joking. Yes. Uh, which I'm going to reboot 100%. You did it for a bit and then you got busy. Yeah, just fucking. That's the thing. That, yeah. it, you know, like I got busy and like, <clears throat> you know, I even have a couple of recorded episodes that never aired. I got busy. I was in, I didn't like want to pay for it because it was like $150 a year. That I literally was just like, I don't have any podcasts. I'm not going to pay for it right now. It just, you know, and I probably should have just done my, more due diligence. But like I do, like I do, uh, I I miss I miss performing a lot, and but I'm very thankful that people trust me to help them with their art, and that people are inspired by what I do, and you know, um, you're very talented. We should you should we should tell them how we met each other. Well, we were at a um, this massive swinger orgy and i saw jeff across the room he was wearing a leotard um and he had a black eye and i thought that was peculiar and then we ended up um gathering around the same group of people that were fucking each other and and we, we kind of looked at each other and it was like you know i think i i looked at you and i was like should we, should we do that? like maybe like we, we could have been related or something no, like should we should we join uh, in? None of this happened, by the way. I'm just um, yeah. You can't you can't even joke anymore because that's how it happened. Now that we met each other, was it some swinger? I've never. You know what's <clears throat> funny is I have never even been to a swinger event. Me either. I've Jay, never even been to any goddamn yeah anything. It's crazy. I'm just, um, that's the sad thing is that all the crazy videos and songs and videos in real life. I'm really boring. <laughs> no, that's the best. That's the best part of it. That's that's the comedy of life, the universe. Jay Davis uh, came to me and he said, "There's this because Jay is always he's just targeting the best of the best, and he he always uh, lands his eye on the most unique talent in the city." And he came to me with the Good Life, and he showed yeah, he, yeah he showed it to me. And the same day that I saw it, because I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like you know, this is it blew my mind. Like everybody else, I was like, "Who is this?" And like, "What?" And he's like, "Dude, I'm gonna go meet him right now." Come, come! I'm gonna pick you up. I said, "Fuck yes, I want to meet this guy." So immediately we, ho- I hopped in Jay Davis's car and we went down and we hung out and uh, the rest is history, man. We, you, you know, I, the whiskey and then we hung out. Yeah. yeah, and and Jay was like, "He's the most brilliant music producer." And that's da, 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 the thing. Da, da, da. Jay, and Jay, Jay's not wrong. Getting people together and then, um, and that's how I met. That's yeah, that's how I, we met. And then I. uh we recorded 
I had met up with a record label and they were interested in possibly signing me to record deal. And then there was like a, the person who brought me in who had a falling out with the owner. And then he was like, like, then it was like, you can't sign with them. They're not, you know, I was like, I don't care. I'll sign with anyone. I'll, I just want to do more songs and videos. I didn't even care, but it didn't ever happen. Uh, but, um, that was a fucking long time ago. But then I got sidetracked into doing other things like doing a film, writing a movie. And then I was working as an actor, but, uh, and then it was, I had to get you back in the, how did we get back together? You, I was, I've always trying <clears throat> to pitch you to work together. I went on, you know, I was always trying to find a producer because the other, uh, brilliant producer I worked with, Cal Mormon, who's a genius. He, uh, was very busy working with legitimate massive artists and stuff and doing like, uh, but then he's kind of been burnt out. He's like taking a year off. I talked to him a little bit ago. But um, for me to be able to execute and do what I do, I'm not so musically talented that I could just get an eight-track recorder and just do all the shit of myself. I need to have work with obviously talented people. <laughs> and you know, but you know, it's it gets it gets done and it yeah, gets done. But we got to do level. it. We got we did yeah. Molitude, which was hilarious. Yeah, I didn't realize that thing has like 150. The people, there's people who liked it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a lot of work and mm -hmm. people would even pay attention to it. But that was funny. That was like an attempt to do like a post Malone, uh, type of auto tuned sound that is now, which I didn't understand, which I think is hilarious, but that was the, and we kind of have that coming up too in another song that we're about to finish the shame shag shame song. shag yeah that wasn't that's going to come out at some point the, then silicone wave which is going to be coming that's out. Fuck, that's guys i'm calling it right now silicone wave fucking buckle up man jeff hilliard is going balls deep in this game okay <laughs> fucking <clears throat> the return of the absurd oh my god coming right up yeah i there's a bunch i hope we'll do a lot more uh, song ideas and music videos I want to make. And so it's, uh, and it's cool that there are people who are even into it, you know? I mean, I'd probably still be doing it if it wasn't just because it's, it's fun to make myself and my friends laugh. <laughs> it's a very expensive hobby. Fuck <laughs> it, man. You live, you only live once, right? That's what they're saying, right? You only live once and it's short. So what are you going to spend the money on? What are you yeah, going to have? I want to have great memories. I do. Some of the greatest memories of my life are been in a recording studio, figuring out the lyrics for a song, putting a, a song coming together, dude, making a music video, the whole thing. You know, or you could have bought a or you could have bought a, a Rolex. Yeah, like, no. I'm sorry, man. No fucking watch is cool or pretty enough to spend that kind of money on it. Fuck you. I know somebody out there has a Rolex, and they're like. Fuck you. It's the, no, you don't get... No, I don't want to be in the club. I don't want to be in the club. Right. I don't want your fucking Rolexes. A, a watch? Yeah. Well, I mean... You know what you could yeah. do with 50 grand, you That's fuck? Right. For a watch. <laughs> what time is it? Hey, Siri, what time is it? She's figuring it out. It's a, no, I don't need a fucking watch. And if I did, I'll pay 500... Okay, 500 bucks. Yes, that's a yeah, the collector. But yes, that's right. You should give your you. give your money to creative people to make stuff. Hopefully, I don't know. But yeah, think it's, about that though. Fifty grand. Yeah, it's a lot of money. 
what are you going to do? Buy a watch? <laughs> you know, no, you're no, going to spend I've, it enjoying your life creating or, or, well, not everyone's, help. A, not maybe everyone's a creative person. Yeah. But, but even if you're not, even if you're not a creative person, there's so much that can be done. I mean, just, just think some of asset. your experience. Like, what do you want to do? I mean, even if you're not the one creating, go find someone that inspires you and get creating with them. Yeah, get people that have resources. Well, yeah, and then give give money to creative people to make things. Make it happen. But well, we live in a society that um, I don't, I don't think it naturally. So, well, that's always been the arts. We've always had patrons. We've had like kings and stuff that have understood arts and stuff. You'd hope that we would our society like the the very wealthy people uh, see the necessary necessity for arts and stuff. It'd be cool if we had. Uh, more of a culture of uh, of uh, societies and like cities and communities recognizing creative people and um, giving them resources to do stuff. I think it's going to evolve that way because I think there's going to be a lot less people having jobs and menial jobs and stuff and you got to give stuff people for stuff to do. I hope that well, society will evolve into more of a more of a uh, artistic expression and get I really believe that what can help a lot of people with mental health issues and all sorts of things is learning different ways to creatively express themselves with, uh, you know, teaching people different ways of like humor. And like I got sober uh, 16 years ago and I've, I've witnessed and I've seen a lot of people that got sober and they went to rehab and then they got into painting and doing something and they ended up becoming <clears throat> these like beautiful, amazing artists that have made, uh, not that every single person that is needs to be art doing art, but I, it's such a, I think it would help save a lot of people, a lot of frustration. I think it would, I think it would actually make there less violence in the world, less domestic abuse abuse. I think it makes the world a much more beautiful and rich place. If uh, we uh, had a culture that was more into fostering, creativity to help deal with people that have to work through you know i know in school they defunded they took the arts out of the school to have the opportunity even like to recognize that you have artistic skills and you were someone's able to get an instrument to them or they were able to give them lessons and you're you know what i mean like a lot of people are they're talented that'll never ever uh pursue that because they've they've taught like if you pursue the world of an artist you're going to live in and out of your car you're going to have financial nightmare you're going to be working all these terrible jobs which i've done all, all true <laughs> hey you know if you're getting in the game and you don't think yep. you're gonna have those points you're okay if you're gonna yeah i think <clears throat> i think i hear maybe you. it's good you have to go through all this stuff to do your thing i don't know i hear you i hear <laughs> you jeff i just i'm in a weird spot of like there's a bit of brutality in me right now, just because I'm like, oh, like I have kids. Because everyone's a TikTok star. I mean, I'm looking at it and I'm going like, um, how in the fuck? Everyone's a content creator. But like, it's oh man, I, I if I don't stop, I'm gonna go into the current stuff. But like, yeah, you know, not to date us too much, but currently, shit is fucking weird. Um. <laughs> human connection has been obliterated into some crazy algorithmic driven fucking 
chamber of just it's like it's like a, if you could imagine a hundred million turkeys all at the same time going and at the same time there are also babies in there and they're like ah! a million of them at the same time it's a lot and, and it's like and you're just sitting there and you're like you know this was one of the things that was so hard through the pandemic sorry to date us but pandemic it's like it was hard because I so desperately did not want to be a part of that clucking. So I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to be another, blah, 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 you know? So I kind of lost my writing ability. And because yeah, I was like, anything I would go to write, I'm like, I would immediately be like, why the fuck would I want to say this right now with the world this way? But at the same time, I had to remind myself, but people need that. The people that can't create it are looking for something to feel something with. Yeah, have so, some kind of human connection. Um, we're in such a... Uh, this is why your shit is, I think, so on time, Jeff, because you're doing the, the nature of your creations in its absurdism make the the themes that you're dealing with are so that it's 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 preposterous that anyone i mean we have a song called finger bang your day which song. might or might not include an entire philharmonic orchestration <laughs> a song that gets more powerful than Probably any song I've ever produced in my life. Wow. But it's finger bang your day. And that That's a beautiful song. That juxt position. Well, maybe of, we should tell a little bit of, set it up a little bit so people fine. even if they've gone this far into the podcast or into what I'm doing. And uh I've hopefully so when I first got sober, I do things to make myself laugh to be able to deal with life. So I'm always that's like look where, at your penis. Well, you know, it's like it's one of those things where that was, I was trying to be. I understand them, but I'm trying to under to communicate this and articulate correctly. So I read this a long time ago that that uh, people that are that wit comes from extreme sadness. So usually people that are like they're devastated with life or whatever usually become comedians. They or they're trying to make other people. They have to make themselves laugh and other people just to be okay with life in general. So. When I was newly sober and then you kind of, you don't have the numb thing to be able to deal with life and you have no coping skills. So I would just go to my one life skill I've always had was to be, make myself laugh. So I, I came up with this idea that you need to finger bang your day and you want to give your day, you want to make love to your day and give your day an orgasm. So multiple. Yeah. <laughs> not just one, but multiple. So that was the joke for me to make myself laugh, to be able to get to do life and stuff was that I got to get, I got to be motivated. I get out there and finger bang my day just because this, the word is, it just sounds so funny and it's so silly and stupid, but then there's actually put a deeper meaning behind it. And then I, that evolved into my uh, stand up act thing where I would routine, where I would do this whole thing of getting the audience really excited about getting out there and making love to their day. And then that has now evolved into this really beautiful song that I'm so excited. I want all of Jeff Hilliard's loyal fans and followers to know the the forthcoming um, offerings from Jeff Hilliard are his 
best to date. I know for I can tell you for a fact that this this is going to um this is going to alter everyone's perception of reality as we know it. It's <laughs> it's like going to be an audio trip. Uh I'm honored to be a part of it. I'm honored to be a part of your podcast. I swear, Jeff, that they will paint paintings of you like that. <laughs> I really want, I really want someone though. That one photo, Kim, that you had up, it looks like Vigo from Ghostbusters too. I, I want, yeah. I fucking so badly now after I realize that I want you to be Vigo. I think Vigo. Vigo never had a voice. Listen, Vigo, in Ghostbusters 2, he was in a fucking painting, and he's just wanting to wake up and get out of the painting so he can yeah. fuck shit up again, you know? He's, he's like, just trying to get out of a painting, really, and he never got to explain his situation at all. So maybe you should tell his story. His story? I have to even. I'm. He could have been on a search, right? For like a for like stuck the there for the rest of eternity. Yeah, we ha we have some really beautiful uh, completed songs and songs that are almost completed. And uh, there's a, a music video coming out. I'm, we shot. It's very very. I think it's really good. I think it's. I'm very excited about it. And then the future ones that are planned, that are going to happen, and they're going to be executed, and it is so much fun. And I, I, I'm hope that there is a, they find a home and there's an audience, and people uh, are into this the the new, <laughs> the new offerings. Oh. <laughs> it's a gratitude to give back to to life all the uh, <laughs> the wonderful that's been so freely given to me, and uh, so let me, uh, so we should probably start wrapping up this wonderful new latest newest edition of the podcast. Is there anything that uh, we should talk about going on with you currently that you want to talk about? We have your new studio. So if you're a brilliant artist and you have fucking the goods, you know, you should you get lucky enough to work with Lee miles. You had, um, uh, you're currently, you're being, you're not, aren't you nominated? You're nominated for a Grammy. Technically. Technically. That's incredible. Tell, can you tell us about that? Can you talk about anything about that sort of stuff? Yeah, I, I made a song with Tiffany Haddish. Uh, it's it's a, a version of Hava Nagilia that then got um, remixed by Just Blaze, who I've always been a fan of, but who I'm disappointed with be honest with you in terms of the way that he or his team maybe not him but it was kind of a weird situation we'll just say that um my instinct to not send my masters to other producers is now re-heightened mm. because you just never know and especially if you're swimming upstream i mean there's a stream going a certain direction and you got to remember that like anyway i'm very thankful for tiffany haddish and you know we did the the theme song to kids say the darndest things and we have a new season 
coming up on CBS. So I'm so thankful and grateful to her. And we have a comedy album that we're about six songs in on, and, and we're trying to get in the fucking studio and finish that. I think that'll be my first real... So the Grammy nom is actually for the Black Mitzvah, which is nominated for Best Comedy Album. Mm-hmm. And our song is the intro. So um, that's how I'm technically nominated. And you can look... Like, the rules... Are, it, but it's not something that, like... I'd rather not boast it, only because it's like... Mm, it's the beginning of a comedy album... It's it's kind of gotten mangled a little bit in a ways that I wouldn't have even taken credit for. Maybe it's got my instrumentation, it's got my vocals, it's got my production, but it's <clears throat> it's it's it went through a filter. My new comedy album with Tiffany is gonna be. You play me some of the songs. And they're it's gonna be brilliant. It's gonna be. I mean, wow. it, I I think she will win a Grammy for that record, and what then I the- will be fully Grammy nominated. What's it like? I, I mean, I'm a fan Grammy, of her. She's Grammy. hilarious. Word winning. Fucking Grammy, huh? She's hilarious. Uh, how did it come about working with her, and what was that experience like? Jay fucking Davis. Jay Davis Jay it. Davis called me with her on the phone out of the blue, and my wife was such... My wife, Jacqueline, is, was, is, is and was is such a big fan, and, you know, Jay, she was just looking for somebody, and Jay was doing his thing, like, you gotta work with this guy. He's the best. He's the greatest. Jay, we love Jay. And then me Jay and... the best. And so Tiffany came into the studio with me and my music partner, Tal Rahm, who's incredibly, in, you know, like my secret weapon for sure. Um, uh, and we we just made Havana Gilia. And then, um, you know, through that, it was actually because of the way that the thing went down with Havana Gilia that Tiffany wanted to continue working with me so as to like kind of clean up for that A and B. She believed in my vision for her. And I think she still does. And, um, yeah, she's, uh, you know, she's what you always sort of dream of working with as a producer, working with an A-list artist, because she's so calming and, and, you know, she's so real and you can tell in an instant why she's made it where she's made it. When you sit down and you talk to her, or even if you just listen to her talking to somebody in the room, you really quickly go, thing there mm. that's just like it's like a, a vibe or or like just a, an expression everything that she's saying it's like it makes sense when you're on fire like that yeah she seems to get the joke of life yes and she doesn't take but, herself but too seriously of course not and why would you if you're but yeah that's what i gather just from seeing interviews with her and stuff uh i figured that would be Obviously, what's going on? But so, she's, br- but the music, the songs you played for me, were fucking they're really, really good. Yeah, they're really good. They're some of my best work, and you know, I'm hoping that'll get done this year. Um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to be a father. Uh, you just have a new baby. I mean, I'm excited and terrified. You know, my wife and I are trying to find a, a, a balance. Um, it's like you know, right now, like we're in here and we're doing this and. It's pretty funny. She's in there with the kids. Calling Lee on the phone, and you hear in the background, it's always like, it sounds obviously probably more... It's like fucking Normandy. It's like you're in the middle. It's a war zone of just kids just... <laughs> Shut the fuck up! It is beyond anything. It is so funny. He played for me uh, a couple of his songs, major songs. 
Yeah. Which is pretty fucking... He's like the... He is the most brilliant two-year-old rock star. I think the only one that no one knows about at this point. I mean, that kid's future... This kid's going to be a superstar. He's got a he's got a piercing scream that is. I'll give you, und- a, I'll give you I'll give you a taste. My son recorded this just before turning two, so he was. Ten. So he was not even two. He's yeah, one year old, <laughs> and he has two songs that he's recorded. One of them is called "I Love My Mommy," and the other one that I'm going to give you a taste of is called "I Don't Love You Right Now," and that song is also about his mommy. Um, here, here first, folks. Yeah. So, you know, my wife was really having a hard time with him. And she said, you know what? I don't love you right now. I love you, but I don't love you right now. And he's a sponge. He was like, I don't love you right now. I don't love you right now. And he started screaming. I was like, ooh, yeah, it's on. I grabbed him. I ran in here real quick. I threw down a fucking, you know, Metallica load little thing. And I was like, and I, cause if I bring him in here, he, he runs towards the mic. Oh my God. And immediately I'll be like, say this. And he'll be like, I'll be like, say, now. And he'll go, now. And I'll just do this. Wow. So this is what comes out. <laughs> One more time, Major. Half time. So yeah, so, so he's screaming, I can't love you now. I don't like you. I don't love you right now. I don't <laughs> love you now. Oh my god, it's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, so we're doing a record. And we're and he'll be the I'm trying to I want to have his whole record done before his half year here. So he'll be two years old. Wow. With a full album, artwork. I'm gonna do a press release. I'm going to be like, fuck you, so Michael Jackson. You know, everyone's funny. like, Michael Jackson was so young when he started. My kid's starting now. He's going to have, there will be hip-hop tracks. There will be traditional, oh there's going to, listen, Jeff, there's going to be traditional kids' tracks, you know? Like I was telling you, he has, he has uh, other songs, like um, I Love My Mommy. He's not such a pain in the ass. Oh, my anymore. God. He's like the most adorable, just, uh, he's uh, the whole thing. He's like this very beautiful, adorable little terror yeah he came, he came in here and like he turned off the power <laughs> he just walked right in and just yeah turned off. here he is singing i love my mommy Say, nah, 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 wait nah, that's nah. not it that's not fucking it that's me telling him oh here's an example here's an example of me warming him up Yeah. You want to say? So he, he he's really he he's like, oh, and then so he sings, good. and then he's like. Oh my God, that's adorable. Anyways, Jeff. That's what I'm amazing. That's what I'm most excited about is our record. Yeah, this is uh I I am too. This is going to be massive. Yeah. I think you're going to you're going to your kid's going to before he's even 4 years old, he's going to be a YouTube superstar, yeah. everything. You guys Grammy Grammy yeah. winning, award-winning artist made. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. 
I'm calling it the out. The youngest ever Grammy award-winning artist. That would be the best. And how, how, yeah. how, how what is the youngest? I wonder. That's an interesting thing. We'd have a, if I had a, at some point I'd have that computer thing and they would look that up. The yeah. youngest artist ever to win a Grammy. Youngest person. You could do it. doesn't matter. But, well, this is exciting. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming out of here. Yes. Wow. And there's more to come. We have uh, several projects gearing up. Um, like I said, Trinity House West, I think is what we're going with right now. At least for, because otherwise it's like, it's my house. And I really don't want to open this up to the public. I want this to really only be a place for my friends and like my clients that I want to really, like if I want to do a record, like I can go to a studio and do a record or whatever, but like for artists I really want to work with and like have them out or producers, writers or whatever, have them out to my 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 home and you've seen you I mean the property here yeah. you see, you know you know what we're dealing Beautiful. with it's like nice. it's a resort and uh so all like i want to have it so this is just a just a private like very vip only situation where it's only the people i fuck with and only the things i want to do here and if there's some shit that i'm doing outside of here it's probably just more of a gig right well, I feel very honored to... Uh, Your family, Jeff. Yes. I feel the same way about you. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that uh, Finger Bang Your Day was what? one of the first... One of the first one uh, songs recorded Finger Bang Your Day is the first artists. original song... I like that. ...written and recorded here. So someday yeah. you'll have like a bunch of plaques and stuff around of stuff, and I'd be like... The- no, I told you. People are going to be like, wait, dude, did you work with Jeff Hilliard? I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, he's a dear what? friend. Jeff fucking Hilliard? They're like, you? What the fuck was wait, that all about? Wait, what songs did you do with Jeff Hilliard? Well, mo- mo- you fucking made <laughs> Molitude? Dude, dude, you didn't make Finger Bang Your Day. I'm like, dude, right in this room. What? Yeah. Silicone Wave. Dude, get uh, out of here right now. a bunch more. Yeah, it's going down. A lot of fun. Well, this has been wonderful, and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. You are uh, the best. Uh, so much adoration and respect and so much fun. And we've had create some beautiful memories and uh, making some fun stuff. You guys can uh, track me down at almproduction.com, and there you can be linked to my social media uh, and you can send me email as well. And um, and I'll put all this, if you go on the YouTube video, if you're listening to this too on the podcast and you want to figure that out and you don't want to write it down, you could just go to the YouTube video of this and below we'll have all your social links. That's how sophisticated I've become. Um, follow Lee. Follow me. I'll probably, you know, I'm going to try to be more with it. I'm going to reboot my podcast. Yeah, hardly joking. Um, that's happening this year. I don't know when, but I'm I'm only I'm waiting until I know I can like actually get into a rhythm. Yeah, cuz you have to have a rhythm. You know, otherwise you know how it is. Um Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. So great. And thank all of you people for uh participating and it, it, it's back. The podcast is back. Back. We'll forget on a regular basis. I'll be doing more of these. I'll have more amazing guests. 
Yes. Uh, it'll be wonderful. And uh, you're, if you're the thinking best. about buying a fucking Rolex. Stop and send your money here. Take your money and give it to Jeff Hilliard. <laughs> So he can make another incredible music video. The fucking Rolex. You're wearing your watch. I hope the fucking... I hope some of you Rolex fucks like get your arm chopped off somehow. Oh, no, we don't want that. No one's arms getting chopped. No, like yeah, with, the, can... with the... With the... With the... And it, like, I, it's like I'm they always doing the... a telethon. Like I always have... A, like you can call in and then you can send... You can give money. Now, Rolex, if you want to send me a watch for free, I'll continue to bash your, your company. Because, you know, there's no such thing as negative publicity. So, Rolex... It's actually doing a good thing because it's a thing of value that you want. Give me, give me a... Basically, what I'm saying is I want a free Rolex. Give Lee a free Rolex. You guys are wonderful. Thank you for uh, listening, and we'll be back for more. Bye-bye.